This is Speaking Out. I'm Larissa Berendt. The federal budget handed down by the Morrison government earlier this month is viewed as the first step in our recovery from the devastating impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Investment in infrastructure and business are key priorities as the government looks to pull the country out of its first recession in three decades. But is their strategy sound? And what does it all mean for Indigenous Australians? To help provide some clarity, I'm joined this evening by Minister for Indigenous Australians, Ken Wyatt. Minister Wyatt, welcome back to Speaking Out. It's great to be with you again, Larissa. It's been a long time. It has too long. And we'll get into an Indigenous-specific focus shortly. But firstly, what are your overall impressions of this year's budget? Actually, I think it's going to serve us extremely well because we've got programs that are embedded in other portfolios, which I think is absolutely important, as well as the mainstream elements of the savings in to our pockets with tax cuts. And on top of that are programs that provide uh, networks and support for families. So it's extremely beneficial. And then, of course, on top of that, we have the Indigenous-specific within our own portfolio. Well, that's a good point to ask you about that Indigenous portfolio. What are the key takeaways from your perspective in the budget for Indigenous people? Well, the Indigenous Agency's advancement strategy is now $5.4 billion in total. In addition to our portfolio, there is $4 billion to Aboriginal health, with $90 million being made available earlier this year. But we'll also provide additional programs in terms of $150 million over three years to expand Indigenous businesses, Australia's Indigenous home ownership, which means that our people can get a loan, buy a new home and be able to develop their own wealth through home ownership. And once they get to a certain level, they transition to other sources of funding and we free that up and we bring another family on. There's $100 million to finalise the housing program in Queensland, which is a significant outlay over a period of time, $46.5 million over four years for the National Agreement on Closing the Gap, $10.1 million for the Productivity Commission to provide an independent oversight and accountability of progress under the National Agreement for Closing the Gap, $39.8 million for over four years for the Clondar Foundation, $10 million for AATSIS to continue the successful return of cultural heritage and then bringing forward $5.4 million for the Office of the Registrar of Indigenous Corporations to enable them to make the reforms that are required, including a director identification number if people are on organisations. We then have $3.9 million to extend the Time to Work Employment Services Program to 2022 and that will help our people prepare for employment following their release from prison. We also have, from another portfolio, $4.1 million over two years to create four new Indigenous river ranger groups in the Murray-Darling Basin. So that is a great initiative given the work going on there. $27 million for the regional arts package, $3.5 million over two years for land management and hazard reduction works uh, in the Rum Jungle. $2.2 million over four years to expedite the assessment of applications and improve the administration of the new applications under the Aboriginal Heritage Protection Act. 
and two million as part of the per city deal for a Nyungar Indigenous Cultural Centre, in addition to growth in other budget areas. So, Minister White, the government has said it's looking to reform the way it works with and for Indigenous Australians. As Minister and as somebody who came into politics with a really strong background in Indigenous policy, what does that mean to you? Well, I want to see a seven-step stage in which we engage with our people at the community level and at regional levels, where we sit down and we talk about what is the issue in, the, in your community, how do we do this work together, and then give the community the opportunity to develop the implementation of that program instead of bringing in contractors all the time to do the work for communities. With the Aboriginal Land Council of the Northern Territory, I've been talking to them about a number of reforms, including uh, handing over some additional land under the Territory Act, but also developing an economic strategy for the use of that land. Countries like China, Asian countries want beef. There is also a heavy demand for pork within the region. So looking at what's the economic opportunity to develop agriculture and working with Peter Yu, who chairs the Indigenous Reference Group for the Northern Australian Strategy, looking at opportunities for our people to participate either in workforces or as partners or to some extent lead and own the work that is evolving under the Northern Australian strategy. So it's about economic development, it's about jobs, it's about looking at creating some wealth opportunities. There's been a significant expansion of the Close the Gap indicators after a recent reboot that you've overseen. And I guess one of the criticisms that's been made of the budget is that there's not enough additional funding for the Close the Gap strategy. But how are you as Minister ensuring progress to your commitments in those areas? Well, when we look at the targets in Closing the Gap, their education, their employment, their training their tertiary pathways, and then there's the early years, out-of-home care. Now, all of those are elements within other budgets. So what I'm doing is optimising those budgets. At this point, we're still working on implementation plans, so there's no sense in putting in additional money until we know what the implementation plans look like. Now, the $90 million that's been given to the Aboriginal community-controlled health organisations by Minister Hunt enables them to expand what they provide and offer. But this time it's slightly different. States and territory governments will have to report to their parliaments on what their efforts have been to achieve closing the gaps at the jurisdictional level. Very different to the past where the Commonwealth took the responsibility reported to Parliament. We will still report on what we set out to achieve, but states and territories are now enjoined, so the total combined dollars for each of the targets now come into play in a way that's never been done before. You did mention earlier that environmental sustainability has been given a boost with the Indigenous Basin Ranges to be funded as part of the government's Murray-Darling Basin Plan. What's involved in that strategy and why is it so important? Well, caring for our waterways and traditional use of water in the Murray-Darling Basin is absolutely important. The ranges will become an integral part of caring for the Murray-Darling Basin. But in addition to that, under Minister Littleproud, $40 million was set aside for Indigenous people 
to access their water rights as well in that whole schema that's being developed for protecting the Murray-Darling River system, but also at the same time utilising water with an eye to how it's shared within the broader community and how we sustain the ecosystems around the river. So there's a lot of work to be involved. And I I know that some of our Aboriginal organisations have been engaging with uh, Minister Littleproud as Minister for Agriculture, but they'll also be engaging with Minister Pitt, who has responsibility in this portfolio area now. Constitutional recognition had been very high on the Indigenous political agenda and you'd done some work in the Parliament on that issue and, of course, the Uluru Statement had also been something that's been high on the political agenda. You've focused on a process of a voice to Parliament. What can we expect to see on this moving forward? Well, the voice to Parliament is, at its final iteration, there have been 18 meetings held by the three levels of advisory structuring that I established. What's been good with it is I've managed to identify people across the whole spectrum, those who are totally committed to the Uluru Statement through to those who support change of a different ilk. And I've seen the draft modelling of what they're suggesting. We'll be releasing that report in the very near future for further consultation but I'm very confident that legislation will go into the parliament next year. Just finally this evening, it's been a challenging year for many of us on all fronts, particularly challenging the way that we're working and challenging the way we connect with family and friends. And it has been a while since we've had you on the show. So I was just wondering if you could share with us what you've discovered about yourself during this strange time of COVID. Actually, the use of technology... I have never used Zoom like I am now and using teleconferencing to connect with a number of Aboriginal leaders and organisations in regions. And we negotiate, we set up those meetings and we have a good session on what's happening on the ground. The thing that has struck me, Larissa, is the strength of our young leadership in organisations, how they came together and worked collectively and set aside their silos, but the role that elders and traditional owners have played as well at the community level. But our own communities being fearful of the fact that they did not want COVID in their communities, so they have made sure that their own approach has been interposed over the restrictions that we also placed as state and territory governments in the Commonwealth. I've learned a lot about the strength of leadership that I've not seen in a long, long time. I have to say resilience is the word that keeps coming up when people reflect on that. It is, and our people are resilient. That's that's why we have survived 65,000 years. We've not relied on others. We've done it ourselves, and during COVID, we've done it again. Minister White, thank you so much for your time this evening and helping us dissect the budget and we look forward to catching up with you again before the end of the year. Thank you very much, Larissa, and you take care. Minister for Indigenous Australians, Ken Wyatt.